Uh oh. Hold on. Uh oh. Is Doug right? Dun 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 dun. Let's see. Dun 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 dun. Is Doug right? Dun dun dun. Is he right? Drop it. Discography. Is Doug right? I wanna know. Tell me, baby girl, cause I need to know. Is Doug right? Is he right? He needs to know. Is he right? Is he right? I wanna know. Is he right? Is he right? Just tell me, am I right? It's hard to tell you if you don't shut up. (laughs) Mind Gap Podcast. Guys, welcome to Mind Gap. I'm Doug. I'm Justin. And we are here to talk to you about things. We're going to talk to you about 21 Pilots. Maybe. We're going to talk to you about Kate Hudson and 21 Pilots. Possibly. We're going to talk to you about 21 Pilots' debut album. Maybe. And their third album, which was their rise to fame. Guys, we're trying to get to the bottom of this. <laughs> so, Justin in... I'm not quite sure at this point what has made the intro. Yeah. So, there may be context for this, and there may be not context Well, he for was this. like totally rapping out their lyrics, and I was like, man, those are some dark lyrics. It, it wasn't song. their song. And he, I was like, who did that That band? Who band? What, what's it? Huh? You said, what band did that song? <laughs> Thank and you. And you said, was it 21 Pilots? I said, no. And you said, it might have been. I could have been. And you're like, no, they weren't even on the radio when we were working on no, the No, they didn't test. come out until 2018. And I was like, false. Look it up. So, we've been... Kind of going a little long, right? And trying to figure this out. We also don't. We still don't have. I'm. I'm actually willing to bet it's probably not them. I guarantee you that that song is not them. I can guarantee that. Maybe. (laughs) The confidence is really what drives it home, Justin. I guarantee you. I guarantee you, this is not a crime. I. uh, I guarantee you that Uh, uh, Twenty One Pilots did not sing that song. Probably. Man, why didn't we ever do enough with Dick Johnson? I feel like it the, plays itself out. Yeah. So but, I had go ahead and give the background on 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 what that what we're talking about. So in improv class, uh, level C, Justin came up with this politician, which we named Dick Johnson, and he was a typical politician, you know, guy that he was your he was your your he was a Kennedy. Yeah. He was your New England politician. Had had that Mayor Quimby. Yeah. Talk, you know, John F. Kennedy kind of talked to him. Yeah. Yeah. And. We did an improv set where we wanted one of my characters and your character to debate. Yeah, oh, wait, yes. I can't remember who it was. It was Shit. That, oh, hold on. So I think so. the character got developed in level C. Was Dick Johnson. Was Dick Johnson when we were doing an, – uh, we basically had an interview session where you had to sit down in the hot seat. The rest of the class interviewed you, and you had to answer in character, mm-hmm. right? And so that was – I did Dick Johnson. It was, of course – it was just dick jokes. That's mm-hmm. all it was, you yeah. know? Um and you know Dick, Dick Johnson's coming in 2016. You know mm-hmm. the, the, all the you know everything you could think of. Um, and Dick I think Johnson's level, big in my state. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Every all the ladies love Dick Johnson. Yes. I I skew heavy towards women. Yes. Um, et cetera, et cetera. Um, guys, it was really highbrow stuff. In, <laughs> it had everyone in stitches. Okay. Yes. In level E, I think was when we brought him back in a debate. But remember, we did it with the Jessicas. Because oh, we were we? talking about it beforehand, I go, wouldn't it be cool if somehow tonight mm. we kind of forced it? 
but we made it happen. I do not remember that set I, then. I remember the set because uh, Ellen took us. She's like, let's take him to the debate. And then we were debating. Oh, wait a second. It's yes. coming back, isn't we were, it? We were in the skybox. Yes. We were in the, it was the Renault skybox. Yes. I can't remember... Oh man! I can't remember. Right. I can't remember what character I used, Fuck. but I was like, it would be hilarious if these two characters uh, met and were somehow debating. All I remember is is the <laughs> the only thing I remember from the Jessicas in the in the Skybox Theater was when we did the. Um, it was our first. It was our first one. Yeah. I think it was our first one. Might have been our second, but our first. For those who don't know the story, our first one it was the day Nelson Mandela died. And that was our very first improv show ever. We had never done improv before. We had taken the classes, but never st- set foot on stage. It was our very first show. We stepped out, and it was a full theater. And it, was, it wasn't huge, but it was it was packed. It was full. And we stepped out, and you know, Doug stepped up and <laughs> said, all right, I need a suggestion from the audience. <clears throat> and someone from the back, and it was actually one of our cast members, our ensemble members' dads, he goes... Nelson Mandela. That was the only thing, and me and crickets, me just crickets afterwards. Being the new uh, improv person, didn't realize I could say no, so I was like, "Okay, I heard Nelson Mandela." <laughs> right. So anyone who's done that, if you've never done improv, you can you can basically you play with the audience. You can go, "Great idea, maybe next time," or you can you know, "Hey, that's very too soon," and like you can play with it and get another suggestion. Mm. Again, Doug being very green, it was his first time. Just went, "Okay." Nelson <laughs> because and we were you both were the first one. And so, yeah, this, the <laughs> form that we did is we all, all six of us lined up, and you had to come, or eight of us lined up. Mm-hmm. It was four and four. All eight of us lined up, and you, you had to step out and do like a 45-second um, character piece based off of the suggestion, and everyone, all eight character pieces, informed the sketches that you were, you were going to be improving later mm-hmm. in the show. And so I was first in line, and so Nelson Mandela... And I had to step off the line into the front of the stage, and I went, "Oh fuck!" <laughs> that's like my that's mind literally is, what you said. My you mind go. is racing, and I just I so all I did I was trying to buy time because everything they teach you in improv is let the silence build, let yeah. the silence work for you. So I'm like, "Well, we're gonna utilize this tactic." And so I paced the stage, the front, the curtain <laughs> of the stage, the front, f- maybe five times, just back and forth with with my hands behind my back. The whole time, my mind is racing, but there are zero thoughts. Have you ever had that? Where like, oh uh, yeah, your mind is just like it. Literally, like you could you could power a light bulb with it. It's moving. There's so much like kinetic energy in there, but it's just empty. There's just no <laughs> nothing, nothing. <laughs> Completely empty. And so the only thing I could think of in my head, I was like, all right. So Nelson Mandela just died, and again, I was very new. So you you could have taken that and gone, okay. Nelson Mandela, you could go South Africa, you could go funeral, you could go... Morgan Freeman. Morgan Freeman, you could go... Yeah, which leads you into movies, you could go world leader, you could... You don't have to do the thing that they say. In fact, they prefer that you don't. Right, you don't have to take it literally, and they prefer you don't. Again, I was brand new, brand new to it. So I'm like, all right, Nelson Mandela, Nelson Mandela he just died. Well, uh, what if I... All right, what if I'm someone who is upset that... No one's going to lead the revolution now. And I'm just like... Do you remember what you said? I did. I went, well, shit! Who's going to lead us now? Yeah, you were like very concerned. You're like, oh my God, he's gone. Right. He's gone. What are we going to do now? It was just very like... But you sold it very well. I thought so. I thought you sold it very well. As a guy who was extremely concerned... Right. 
that someone was gone. And then I stepped. It wasn't back, clear. I stepped back to the line and I went. <gasps> this is going to be a long show. And I think I was third. What did you? Oh wait, you did the. Mine was hilarious because you were at the. The it made coffee. it made sense in my mind, but I didn't do the object work very well. <laughs> I came out and I was like a guy who was drinking at a funeral, and I was placing my beer on the casket. Sure, and just going, ah, I was just being an asshole. Yeah, yeah, just you know, classic yeah. Doug. But I don't think it because I was the only one doing it. Like, put, people could like he's putting his beer in the bar, right? What is he doing? Yeah, yeah. No one really knew what I was doing. But like, I if was you like, would now again thinking about it, you could you could have stepped up, you could have slowly sidled down like you're at a receiving line, yeah. so like sidestep down and. Given condolences, I could have easily or whatever. Like, yeah, I could have kneeled down and been like, "We're really gonna miss you, buddy." And then maybe reached in my goat pocket and right, right. And then like this, <laughs> what, mom? You know, and that would have been taking a, little a bit. sip, poured one out for him. Yeah, yeah poured it on his face. Like so that. much you could have done. I would have done so much more with that. And then relative newcomer, fucking Danny Giovannini. Oh, God bless the, that guy. The brilliant mastermind that he is living in L.A. now yes. and, and working at. I think he just got a job at ABC. Uh, ABC. Good yeah. for him. The guy, if you've never seen him perform, I don't know if he's still doing it, but if you ever go out to L.A., find Danny Giovannini, go see one of his shows. You will not be disappointed. We've just built him up now, so (laughs) pressure's on Danny. But somehow we ended up doing Harry Potter in South Africa. Yeah, for what it was. I don't know how we got to that, For whatever it was, we brought up Harry Potter, and then he came out, and he was covering his nose, and he was doing an amazing South African accent. Right, so he he was was South African Voldemort. (laughs) And it was such a great callback to the suggestion. Yeah. And it oh. was so well done. And I remember I was so goddamn nervous. You were nervous I was too. was terrible. And I remember just going out and, you know, pretending to be like Harry Potter's like mistress or wife. <laughs> and I was just mad because he, he didn't treat me very well. Right, right, and we right. we never had se- – it was really – it was basic. It, yeah. Basic stuff. It was not earth-shattering. <laughs> Or anything like that, but I was proud because I'm like I did something. I was right, like, I right. went out and did it, but I just remember I was like shitting my pants the whole time. Oh man! Because so much that I run into with that was I'm like, am I doing the right thing? And it's like that's not the question to ask. Right. It's just are you are you <clears throat> am listening? I reacting? Am are I you list- listening? Yeah. Are you reacting? Because it's not like am I doing the right? It doesn't matter. That's not the. That's always what I focused on. I was always trying to. Yeah. Is this the right action that I'm supposed to be doing at this point in time? No one scripted it, Doug. Nobody knows. No. <laughs> yes, no, I don't know. Just I don't do know. It. Just yeah. make sure that you're. That's where. Yeah. Later on, I learned. I'm like, oh yeah, it's it's so hard to beat that out of your mind. It really is, and I I, st- I feel like I never got past that. And I know you disagree with me, but I feel like I never I never got past that point in doing it. And you, I didn't it's do because you only did eight shows. That's why. That's true, yeah. And then I was just like, I can't. Yeah, no. But I, I just never got past the point where I was still very much in my head. Oh, of course. It's and just, what didn't help was our level, our level uh, fucking e show. Well, our level e teacher wasn't that. good. And I want to call him out so bad, but I'm too. not gonna. I won't do it either. But that put me in a bad spot. Bad spot. Like just our in level general. e teacher had given up. Yeah, essentially. Just given up on everything. I don't know if we he'd given up, but his his mind was not in the right space. I don't know. Yeah, I guess I can't. I don't know what where he was, but it was. It was a really sad like way absent, to end. It was an absentee teacher. Well, here's the thing: our level D teacher, who we've had on, mm-hmm. Tim Sosko, Tim Sosko, was fucking incredible. He was but one of. I would even go so far as to say the best teacher that we had. He and was, I didn't go through I.O. with you, but sure. as far as what I'm concerned, from from 
improv to writing, both courses I took, he was the best teacher I had, period. Well, he, he, was, was, at that, he was at that critical stage where at that level you start getting feedback. You start getting actually really good notes, and he challenged us in a great way, and right. I felt safe. But I also was like really pushing myself hard to make the great choices. And if you right. go back and listen to our previous episode with Tim, we talked about that where – he would always just be like, uh, I think he quoted in that episode, he's like, is that what your character would do? Is that what your character would do? Because he's like, don't betray the scene for right. a joke. That's what the lesson I took away from that is like, don't try to do something funny. Right. Just play yeah. the scene like your It'll- character was. And that was like a mind-blowing experience. I'm like, whoa. Yeah. We played it like, because I remember I did a scene with Chris Volucci where we were we were doing like leaps in time. Uh-huh. Yeah, and yeah. there was a point where I was like his sergeant, yeah, yeah, and he was like reporting to me in war, and like at the end of it, like I was in the hospital and I was dying and yes. I lost my leg, and yes. it was and it wasn't funny, but it wasn't it didn't have to be funny. It was right. emotional, and I was like, whoa, those dramatic scenes are really really awesome. That was my first taste of that sort of like holy shit, like this is powerful. And see, that's something that I feel like because they always say drama's easy, comedy's hard. They always say like, dramatic. That, that's kind of one of the old like yeah. Hollywood adages. Is like that d- dramatic acting. Yeah, anyone can be serious. Everyone cries. Not everyone. Everyone gets angry. Everyone does that. Not everyone is funny. And so, like yeah. they say, comedic acting is actually a harder skill set than dramatic acting. Well, I would say everyone can do dramatic, but not everyone can do it well. <laughs> I mean, yes, <laughs> you know, what I, mean? I would say they can. But if you put if you put two people. If you said if you if you line them up and said okay yeah. everyone do dramatic acting now everyone do comedic acting yeah odds are it would skew towards more people being able to do dramatic acting why do you think that is I, I again because I think when you when you do dramatic acting you're tapping into feelings and emotions that everyone's had yeah everyone knows what it's like to be furiously angry mm-hmm. where you just see red and you're you're not thinking straight and you're just passionate and emotional and pissed everyone has been sad to the point where they don't think the darkness will ever lift everyone has been elatedly happy everyone has like there's these there's these uh universal emotions that i think everyone has experienced and it's easy to find again it might not be well but it's easy to find something to attach your mind to to go okay i rem- i need to feel this way in this scene I remember a point in my life when I felt that way. How did I act? And you can you can pull on that. Comedy is so subjective, and it's so dependent on the timing and the context. I think not everyone is funny. There are people yeah. who I've talked to who just do not have a sense of humor. They're not funny. Yeah. But do they think they're funny? They might. Some of them do. <laughs> Some of them I've just never even heard try to crack a joke. Yeah. And so I think comedy is something where. It's comedy is something you have to work at, whereas dramatic acting is just emotions that everyone feels. See, I would argue from my small, small acting experience is I found it easier to do comedic stuff than it was to do dramatic stuff. Because with the dramatic stuff, you have to allow yourself to be extremely vulnerable. True, true. And um, while, yeah, I can get angry, but to actually truly feel vulnerable enough to push yourself, to let yourself fully right. be that way, I always, I never fully committed 100%. Whereas with comedy, I'm like, I can commit to this because it's silly. Let me ask you this, though. If I told you to go out on stage mm-hmm. <clears throat> and I told you to make that audience laugh mm-hmm. or to make that audience believe you were angry, which do you think you could do quicker? Oh, anger. Right, Easy. exactly. 
Especially me, that's my go-to in every improv. Well, okay, was, I'm angry. <laughs> I should have. I should have. Yes, I should have yeah. maybe tailored that question. But yeah. to to my point, like it's it's much easier to pull that emotion than to go. Okay, I need to be funny, mm-hmm. or how can I make this entire group of people think the same thing at the same time? I also is, think it depends on what we're doing. If we're talking stand-up, absolutely, that's super challenging. Right. Well, absolutely. Yeah. Whereas yeah. I feel like with improv, if you follow the rules. There's a formula there. It still takes talent because yeah. you have to make the decisions. Right. Because if you're sitting there coming out and going, oh, I'm twerking. I'm doing the Harlem Shake. It's like, okay, that stuff is not like <laughs> funny at all and it's dated material. Right. And or, you know, same thing if like you're if someone goes, hey, your dog died and you just go, oh, and you don't respond right. naturally or whatever. Like, I feel like there's more of a formula there for comedy than there is for drama. But of course, I haven't spent that much time in drama sure. either, so I don't know. Right. So, but, uh, but, so basically, you're saying you you're wrong. You don't know, and I'm right. No. Yeah. I'm saying I That's don't lose. Hearing. I'm saying I don't lose, Justin. So what? What the issue for me was just that I feel like again because there was a formula and there were rules. I never got any rules with acting with drama. Okay. It was it was you know rehearsing and getting comfortable enough with the person and the lines that sure. you're doing so that you can analyze the lines and know every single thing like what is the objective what is the super objective what are the beats what are they when they say these words there's what they're saying and what do they really mean right and well, trying to make sure that all comes out and knowing everything about the situation and here's the thing that's crazy too even though you know you the actor know the lines are coming your character doesn't so you have to right. be surprised when you already know what's supposed to be coming. To that end, though, you are taking drama acting and you're mm-hmm. comparing it to improv. Mm-hmm. Take drama acting and compare it to comedic acting. Mm-hmm. Totally different. Comedic acting is totally different than improv. It is. Because did, you're taking that same concept of your character doesn't know the lines. You're having to – like everything you just said – but now you're turning it and you're having to make it funny. It's not an emo- it's not a natural human emotion. Cuz laughing is, mm-hmm. but being funny is not a natural human emotion. See, I felt that um it's see, not even I don't think it's an emotion period. It's it's something you do, I guess. I don't know. See, in level 2 uh acting, that was dramatic, emotional, and then level 3 was comedic. Oh, it was. Okay. And, and actual um like physicality. Okay. So, like early Chevy Chase work? Uh, sure. Like slapstick kind of thing? Uh, um, but I got a scene, well, and I thought this was the easiest thing in the world. I'm like, I'll do this all day. It was a scene about uh, two like junior high boys who are terrible at basketball, and they're like really good friends. They back each other up, and they're just doing these silly antics on the side. Like They're cheering for people. They don't understand the game. They don't get what's going on, and... I had so much fun, and it was so easy for me to basically just slip into those characters and go. Yeah. Versus the previous one where I was like, hey, this is my uh, wife and I. We're separated because we don't get along, and my character's cheating, and I'm going to show up. We're going to argue, and by the end of the argument, we're going to get so angry and so turned on that we're going to fuck each other. Like, that was a lot harder for me. To follow, then, hey, I'm a goofy seventh grader. Easy. Got it. No problem. And that may be just be me because I'm more comfortable making fun of myself 
and stuff like that. And my then being sexy and then basically being angry, you know, hate fucking somebody. I've not. <laughs> that's not my wheel in my wheelhouse. Really? So yeah, right, oh, man. You got to expand your, your right. Your I got apparently. Man. I've got to go do stuff to kind of like expand my dramatic range. Go see the world. Uh, go see the world, man. Go hate fuck someone every now and again. Um, but like, I just remember like. You know, I'm also a tall, big. I'm a bigger person, so physicality. I feel like when you're a larger person, it's amplified. Yeah, everything you do is amplified, mm-hmm. and it's like if you if you get angry, it's amplified. Yeah, if you um, if you're meek and mild, it's amplified. You know, if any anything you do is amplified, so I feel like it's really easy easy for me to do some sort of physical stuff. In case you didn't see, I just did the wave with my shoulders to talk, to kind of emphasize what I'm saying. I just did like a, set, like a little Bruno Mars I'm dance like, move. Yeah. Uh, uh, and I feel like when that happens. magic. I don't know that song. Oh, man. I got to educate you. Edumacate me. Um, but I feel like that sort of stuff comes naturally to yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. I've always done that sort of stuff, and I've always been really silly in that sort of regard. So I guess for me, my mindset is a little bit different um, because I've, I guess I've always kind of been there. Whereas with drama, it's like, oh, be vulnerable. In front of all these people, I'm like, no, no, I'm not going to do that. Yeah. And and that was the hardest thing for me to overcome because in that class, basically, we're doing an exercise where essentially you have to access some really sad shit and basically cry in front of the class. Yeah. Well, and, and look, I'm not saying that's easy. No. At all. I, I, I don't, I'm not. I know what your point is. Your I'm point is like, to... what's, what's easier? Is it easy for you to get mad? Or is it easy for you to actually make someone laugh? Right. Like someone who doesn't know you, they're just sitting down, they're like, make them laugh or show them that you're sad, happy, or angry. Yeah. It's going to be real easy to do sad, happy, and angry versus, hey, uh, what's the deal with nipples on men? They don't squirt out anything. Right. You know, am I right? And they're going to be like, I don't get what you're doing. Right. What is this? What's the point of view? Right. What's And you don't realize that all that stuff's happening behind the scenes when you're doing that sort of stuff, which is so important. Right. And stuff that I've realized because um, I've been to plenty of shows. Uh, student shows, conservatory shows at Second City, and I've just seen some sketches that don't work, and I'm like, why doesn't this work? Yeah. And I think about it, I'm like, because I don't understand the point of view. Right, okay, yeah. Um, I don't understand what the point of the sketch was. It was so, it felt long. Yeah. It dragged yeah. on, and I'm like, what? Because you remember the conservatory show we went to, to uh, see one of your friends? It was the only conservatory show I think that you oh, went yeah, to. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that yeah. first one, which good old Amari, Amari Brown was in. Love that guy. Um, that fucking Slade. Yeah. It was amazing. Yeah. I remembered so much about that. And then the very next one, dead. It was really, really uncomfortable yeah. to watch. <clears throat> and it was, and I wanted to laugh so hard. I could feel the tension in the audience. Like they wanted to laugh, but things weren't funny. And I was like, it wasn't a bad audience. Like they were no. ready to laugh. It was, it was a, it was bad writing. Yeah, yeah. and it was like it's like or acting. I don't know. Like, well, that's the that's the other thing. Yeah. Is it where where does the bad acting? Where's the bad writing coming? Yeah, play? and is it also some directing stuff with it yeah. too? Like, yeah. did, did they? Is there a way to to make it go better? You know, right? But there was one sketch that I remember specifically from that. It was like a mother and a daughter at an abortion clinic, and the person that seemed to be the funniest was the receptionist. There was a guy playing a receptionist. Did I leave before this, this no, set? No, we were definitely there for okay. this. And we watched this. And I remember we talked about it specifically after because the focus would shift between the mother and daughter where it was like a serious conversation. Then it would randomly switch to the receptionist who was hilarious. Okay. But then it would go back. And, I was, and then the scene just ended. And I was like, what was the point of that? Right. Or what's right. even worse is you see the joke coming a mile away. Right. And then they slowly get there. And then they get there. And you're like. Yeah, ta da! Got it. Yeah, and I'm like, ugh, and that's and I would say yeah. definitely creating comedy, 
Well, creating anything is difficult, but I think creating comedy is so difficult. Yeah. Because I think you can acknowledge a dramatic situation because, like you mentioned, like you can put yourself in a situation where you're like, oh, dude, I remember when I got, when someone broke up with me. Right. Or, oh, man, I remember like being angry at my parents. Right. Or I remember, you know, that first love. You can access all that information, but then if someone's like, cool, here's something that's supposed to be funny. Right. And then you watch it, but you don't identify with it. Yeah. Well, how many times have you sat down with Jill? I mean, this happens all the time with Beth. We're all sit down, or even not even like with with Milos or with Rob or any any. I mean, name anyone where you sit down, you find something Tom hysterical. Hardy. Right. I've sat down. I mean, so many times Tommy and I have sat down, and you'll 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 think something's hysterical. You'll show it to someone, and you'll get a, a lukewarm. Huh. Oh, it breaks clever. your heart. Yeah, and it does because you've put so. You're like, but, but this is fun. This is. It's, it's really similar funny. to like showing, listening. You have to listen to the song, right? It's going to change your life. And they listen to it, and go, ah, yeah. or they're like, eh, it's fine, and yeah. you're like, no, right, right. There's so many songs I wanted to have you listen to, but I'm like, this isn't Justin's type of music. He's not going <laughs> to love it as much as I love it, and that's fine. But I'm like, eh, you know. So that's why I try to. It's like that's right. why those light-minded people stick together. Like, oh, you see the magic in this too, right, right, right. And they stick together like yes. And with that, I think to create that that mindset or that that. Again, going back to like dramatic, that's why I don't think a lot of a lot of comedies are up for Oscars for Best Picture because it's so much easier <clears throat> as a collect. One of the hardest things I think, and the, one of the reasons I've never tried stand up, is because the concept of getting on stage and taking an entire room of people and getting them on the same page, on the same wavelength, and agreeing on the same topic and thinking that topic is funny is. V- to overcome that is monumental to me. I don't yeah. understand how to do it, and I want to understand it. Yeah. So take that and extrapolate that into a movie viewing audience. Yeah. It's so hard to get that many people on board with the same thought, get them thinking the same. I like you know bring them into the same concept, and then all have them think it's funny at the same time. Yeah. Or is it easier to have them go, oh, I've I've broken up with someone. I can understand why that person is. Why that person is beating this other person up? Sure, you know I can understand why that person shot that person because yeah. I felt like I wanted to just explode on someone. I wanted sometime. the revenge just as much as they right, did. exactly. Or 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 if someone killed my you know John Wick, if someone killed my dog, I'd want to go after that. You know, yeah. I'd want to pull out my guns from a concrete floor, load them up, and then just go to town on the Russian mafia. Yeah, who hasn't felt that? Right, who hasn't felt that? But exactly. I'm saying it's so much. I think it's so much easier to relate. To a non-comedy thing, a non-comedy piece, I think that's why the true art for me is in comedy because it's so much harder to relate to. Well, I agree. And I I think when you're talking about movies and comedic movies, it's like because oftentimes there's a lot of really silly, silly comedies that people are like, dude, love this movie. It's amazing. Any Sasha Baron Cohen movie. And I watch it and I'm like, meh. Like I just shrug my shoulders. I'm like, this is too silly for me. And that sounds like such a pretentious, cynical thing to say, but I'm like, one of my favorite comedies is. Um, How, I'm sorry to yeah. go back on that real quick. I will say I just watched the um, uh, the Brothers Grimsby, the one where he his brother plays a secret agent and he's like this fuck up, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah soccer yeah, yeah. football fan. Sure, sure, sure. Was actually really, really funny. Okay, I will I will give him that one. That was really really. <laughs> I think some of it was really smartly written. It was complete. Dick and fart jokes, but yeah. it was it was really funny. Yeah, because for me, it's like one of my favorite comedies was the Forty Year Old Virgin. 
Yes, yes. Because that to this day stands up. Because the thing about that movie is it has heart <clears throat> yes. with it too. And that's what I think really got me when I watched it was it was hilarious. The The premise wasn't too far off base, like a 40-year-old yeah. guy that hasn't had sex before. And even if you're not in that position, you somehow were able to relate to his plight. You remember like, the awkwardness of yeah. sex and stuff like that. Now extrapolate like, that for three decades. Yeah, it's like you get that. And not only that, but like... Wait, you're 10 years old? Sorry, two decades. My bad. Um, you know, you have friends that want him to experience that, so they're trying to help him. Right, but at right. the same time, they're broken individuals who are learning what's going on with them and all that. But he finds a really great woman, and along the way, there's a lot of fun stuff that happens. But it's not insane. No, that's I like the grounded sort of stuff like that because yeah. I'm like, oh, that's actually very clever, um, and it's fun. Or something that's like uh, death to Smoochie. I still have never seen that one. Um, it's got Edward Norton and Robin Norton. Williams. Yeah, and De- it's a DeVito film, and he's in it as well. And, Did he direct it? Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, actually got the girl mm. from uh, 40 Year Old Virgin in it as well. Mm. Um, but th- it's funny because it's such an interesting concept. It's the dark side of children's television. Right, right. Which is hilarious. It's amazing. And uh, it's it's a very – it's a unique movie in its own its own right. But I, I love that movie to death. But it's one of those things where – I also have a soft spot for Talladega Nights for some reason. Of all of those movies, I'm like, yeah, that's a silly movie. I like it. Why not but, this one? Yeah. But for the most part, like most comedies, I'm going to skip because I'm just like, I, it seems ridiculous. It's and I know that's the point for some of these things, like Anchorman. That's a, that's an insane, silly movie. Absolutely. I never liked it. Loved it. Still don't. <laughs> I just remember guys going, "No, nah, dude, you got to watch it like three or four Anchorman times." Anchorman Two is bullshit. It's funny because that one got really high ratings. I don't know why. Yeah, I don't no. know what. I remember you coming back and going, like, "Dude, what I room know. of monkeys they showed that to?" Just, just a bunch of smoking, drunk yeah. monkeys on typewriters going, "We're gonna bang out a third one!" Yeah, yeah. But <laughs> I, I don't. Um, you know, I don't know. It's just like it's, and that's the thing is like it's the same thing with horror films. Like, what's scary to one person isn't scary to someone else. Yeah, absolutely. So I, those <laughs> things are really hard to appeal on a mass level. Yeah, because first of all, some people don't even like horror films. Right, they just don't do it. And then second of all, it's like you got to find the right one. Like, what's scary to them? Some people really love, like, the paranormal ghosts. The, that, found, the found footage kind of thing. That stuff where, doesn't yeah. do anything for me. Like, the I'm, I've, exorcism movies can go die in a fire. Don't I never have any interest in those. Because um, they make you uncomfortable or because? I don't. I think they're garbage. They're okay. not good. I don't, I'm like, so they, they don't actually me. scare you. They don't scare me. Um, and you know, but what does scare you? What movies? I mean, besides like, oh, physical conservatism or whatever, like what besides a practical movie um, or someone buying a boat in a movie? Like what, what actually about that boat? What? <laughs> Doug's just in the theater going, no, like, bad move. Buddy. <laughs> Have fun paying for that. Um, I don't know. I guess it's like the psychological sort of stuff. So what you uh, can't see stuff you can't see or stuff where it's like, um, uh, I'm trying to think of like. Give me a movie. I liked Ring, the Ring. I should say. But see, that's super. That's that's the paranormal. That, that like, was yeah. The, I I, don't, I I liked that movie because when I went to see it, I didn't know anything about it. Never seen a trailer. I didn't know any of the actors. Okay. It was complete. Like wow, what is this? No idea. Yeah. So that was kind of special. Was that no name actors? Uh, well, it's got Ben Ben Cox, Brian Cox, Naomi Watts. Uh, Wait, was she the mom? Yeah. Oh, fuck. Yeah, I guess I had no concept of who these people yeah, were. At the I time, yeah, I had just come back from Europe, and I didn't know anything that was going on with this movie. Hashtag humble brag. Hashtag I'm a worldly traveler. Um, 
<laughs> I also saw Red Dragon uh, when I was in Paris. It was really nice. Oh, the, the, yeah. Uh, the French subtitles while we were watching it. it was very <laughs> funny. And the girl, one of the girls that was with us was watching it, and she was terrified. Was she? She was, like, shaking the whole time and, like, holding on to my shoulder. And she was like, I'm like, this isn't that scary of a movie. But, again, that's just, it's the perfect example. Like, yeah. to me, I'm like, oh, whatever. Like, this isn't that scary to me. Right. But, and I'm not like, I'm, think, a, I'm not like, I'm a tough guy. Yeah. It's just one of those things where I'm like, that doesn't scare me. For me, Silence of the Lambs mm-hmm. is not scary. No. It's, it's a, disturbing. It's it's, a, it's an interesting thriller. Yeah. You know, like, it's disturbing. The only scene in that where I truly, like, I, to the, still, if I watch it, I still get a little butterfly, is the scene where um, Buffalo Bill turns out the light and is following her yeah, that's in the basement with his... Is night, night vision. vision goggles. That's yeah. the only one because it's done really well. Yeah, it's shot really well. Um, well outside of that, yeah, it's like a lot of people freak out of that movie. I'm like, it's 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 a good movie, but it's not terrifying. I don't get like there's other ones where it's like home invasion movies. Those don't get me. Um, what is a really good? I mean, you talk about the home like a, like, uh, like Home Alone. There's or? one called yeah Home Alone. Like there's one called Strangers. I think that people in masks familiar. come in and basically the Purge. Her. There's, oh, there's also the purge. Yes, I remember strangers. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know because I'm not a, I'm not against the supernatural. It just has to be done really well. Okay, like it has to be. Um, I guess like the well, the descent is interesting just because that is possibly an unreliable narrator. Um, but what was scary about the descent was like the first half of the movie where they're spelunking. Oh right, and, that's the one. Yeah, and they're <clears throat> barely like crawling through these. Uh, it's, so it's, it's more of a claustrophobic thing. And you, I don't, was a, you was a big dude. That's the thing. That's not usually something I worry about, but I was sitting there going, Jesus, this is really uncomfortable watching these women just like sort of like edge their way into these little areas and then it gets closed off yeah, yeah. and no one knows where they are. I'm like, that's kind of spooky. Yeah. Um, you know, Slender Man's kind of a creepy concept. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. like the idea of this thing is like as soon as you recognize that he's there, he knows that you're there too. Yeah. And he'll come steal you. It's like the like the bye bye man. Yeah. <laughs> and honestly, man. it took me. I, I had to go through that three times in my head because I kept going Bobum, 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 bye bye. That's the one. Bye Say bye it, man. Say Pull it. the trigger before we pass the moment. Yeah. Um. I'm not really into the torture stuff either. Like saw hostile. and all that shit. Yeah. I did like saw the very first one. Oh man, you and I differ on that. I liked that because it was unique at the time. The concept was unique. Yes. The actor, as much as I respect and like him, which one? The uh, the doctor who cut his foot off at the oh, end. Oh, really? You don't like him in that movie? Yeah. No. And the Prince's Bride, fantastic. Loved him. Yeah. Loved him in that movie. I was like, not for a moment did I buy anything about his character. Okay. I thought it was one, possibly one of the worst acting jobs outside of the room wow. that I have ever seen. I feel like that's a little overblown, but I respect your opinion. I may need to watch it again. <laughs> I, I may I may it may have been one of those things where now mm-hmm. I have built it up so much in my head because yeah. I haven't seen it since it came out. Yeah. So I'm in fairness I may have to watch it again. I liked the concept of that movie because it was the idea that someone was capturing people and putting them in situations that they could get out of but, if they made a sacrifice. But they had right, to right. basically these like the first guy he captures is he puts in a room full of razor wire and it's like a maze. He's like, okay, you're you you want to you want to cut yourself to kill yourself? Well, go ahead. Like, if you want to, uh, you know, get out of here. If you first of all, if you want to cut yourself, just you know, there you go, cut yourself, fall into it. Yeah, yeah. He goes. Otherwise, if you want to get out, have fun getting out of this razor wire. Yeah, yeah. And by the way, you have two hours, and then this is going to lock you in here. 
and then there was other stuff too, pretty depraved stuff. But he gives you an opportunity to get out of it, but you got to do some pretty heinous shit. Yeah, yeah. To get out of it. Do and you then, remember any of the sequels? I only saw the second one, and as soon as I saw it, I'm like, I know where this franchise is going, and I'm out. Gotcha. I'm done. Yeah. Because there was like, it started with like eight people. Yeah. And right away, someone dies, and I'm like, I don't know who that is. I'm not emotionally attached to any of these people. Right. And that's the the flaw of most of those movies. Yeah. Well, it, it's it, all all they're trying to do is how how uh, creative can we get with the deaths? I will say one of the grossest part of the second one is one of these girls falls into a pit of used needles, and she's trying to find a key, and she's just like sifting around and they're trying to find like, oh. a key and all these used needles. Ooh. It's really gross. That's nasty. Yeah, it was really nasty. It was That's not cool. Na- it's the same thing with the, uh, not the Fatal Attraction movies, but the, um, what's the one where they they uh, skirt death and he, death is coming oh, for them? Final Destination. Final Destination. Yeah, Fatal Attraction. Final <laughs> Destination movies. Yeah. It's the same kind of thing. Like, I feel like those, all those do is just how... How can we escalate the deaths? Like, we're yeah. going to have a logging truck, and now we're going to have a Ferris wheel. And, and, now it's, we're gonna... it's, and it's supposed to be like, you don't know exactly how they're going. Now you think you're going to know, but we're going to trick you. Right, right. Exactly. You know, it's like, yeah. The log falls off, and they, they swerve. That's great, but then a moose eats them. Yeah, like... <laughs> so whatever. Yeah, or they fall yeah. down a manhole, right. and then the, the Ninja Turtle kills them. You know, like, yeah, that sort of stuff. So, in, right, in right. a sense of what we're talking about, horror is not going to appeal to everyone, so no. you won't see a horror movie up for... An Oscar, an Oscar, yeah. It, it, I mean, horror and comedy are that's that's probably the reasons, yeah. Because the drama, it's just it. It's in, more on universal a, on a larger scale. It's more relatable. Well, I mean, look at Shakespeare stuff. I yeah. mean, that stuff was written hundreds of years ago, but it still translates to today. Yeah, and you can easily transplant those situations into a modern setting. People and it still works. take those themes and work with them. Yeah. Because it makes sense, and I love actually watching like modern retellings of some of those stories yeah. because they're done really well. I liked, uh, um, I can't remember the name of it, but it's it, Romeo and Juliet it's with Leonardo Rome. DiCaprio nope. and Claire Danes. Nope. Absolutely, nope, absolutely. Uh, yeah, shit. It had uh, Ray Fines or Ralph Fines. I was getting it was Ray Fines. It was Voldemort. Uh, is it Ray? Okay, he was in it. Uh, Brian Cox was in it, and essentially he was playing a character. Oh, it was a military one. Yes, yes. Uh, he Jared Gerard Butler was in it. Um, it was like Corinthians. Yeah, no, no, like I that. know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, and they, it was supposed to be a Roman general. <laughs> yeah, who whatever got screwed over. God, it was that exiled, one fell by the wayside for me. Then, I forgot about it. And then that. marched on Rome, uh, only to eventually. Um, decide not to ruin Rome and he's killed by his, his men. Uh, but they transplanted that into like an Eastern European setting. Right. And right. it was really badass. It was really cool and I really enjoyed it. And I, I remember I got that on Netflix on the hard copy and watched it. I'm like, this is pretty cool. Like, that you can take that and just be like, boom, modern day setting. The things are still the same. You've got a government with, you know, politicians who are scared of a strong military leader that has the love of the people. Yep. And how they plot to screw him over, and then he leaves, amasses an army. What was cool about that was he met with uh, his uh, rival, and he basically was like, I want to join up, and they joined forces, and then the town about shit themselves because, like, oh, my God, he's marching on the town with his rival. He's going to murder us all. (laughs) So it was really cool. I I really enjoyed that, and I think that's really cool. And that's something that goes, imagine a comedy. Well, let's look at this. We tried to take... Coriolanus? That's what it is. Uh, we tried to take uh, The Three Stooges and remake that. It doesn't work. Mm, you just made me angry. 
Yeah, that's you can't transplant you what was funny just then. Made me angry. And same thing. What was scary in the 1800s may not be scary today. Right. Exactly. Because of knowledge. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> right. You know, it's like, oh, I'm scared of the sea monsters. Yeah. Nope, those are whales. Right. But people in the 1800s got angry. They, they were happy. They were there sad. Was, they were. They had. They loved someone they weren't allowed to love. Right. Exactly. And it burned brighter than the hottest sun in the solar system. Exactly. Yes. You know, like there's all that sort of stuff exists, and you can easily put any one of those themes. Right. But imagine taking Longing a com- for someone, imagine putting right? a com- comedic modern comedic thing yeah. in, in the setting of the 1800s. It doesn't work. Oh God, they would be would be pornography for them. Like, well, be, I mean, just well, I'm just saying, even just creatively, you're gonna be like, all right, oh, cool, yeah. like our fart jokes mm-hmm. and everything like that. But it's gonna be said in 1806, right? It's not. It's gonna feel weird. Oh, I see what you're saying. You're yeah. saying if making like a parody movie, yeah, like put, putting putting a um, what's the uh, oh God, I can't even think of it. Putting a Fairly Brothers movie, yeah, in the 1800s, yeah. Hail Caesar meets Fairly Brothers. Yeah, yeah. It's, it doesn't make sense. Like, well, it, not Hail Caesar because that was the 50s. But you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. It, it 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 doesn't. It, there's something that's going to be off about it right. because as you're making these sorts of jokes and stuff like that, I'm like, <laughs> it doesn't appeal to the setting. However, mm-hmm. the only person <laughs> there's one person who can do it, and he did it. Mel Brooks. Mel Brooks. Yeah, Mel Brooks can do it. He can do anything. <laughs> yeah, because um, again, you have to do it really well. And that's how it is with right. most comedy stuff. Which well, actually, the thing is, he leaned into it. Yeah, like the, he didn't. He didn't try to make it. Like he, it, he, it was very self-aware. Yes, the, the history of the world, part one. Yeah, it was very self-aware. I was like, he even, knew exactly even, what he was doing. Even blazing saddles too. Right, like, exactly. Know, stuff like that leaned like, right into what he was doing. Yeah, yeah. They, you can take that and make that happen. Yeah. Um, but also, I'm thinking of you know that actually led me to something that just it's a little off topic, but um, Katie Rich. And SNL, the joke she made. Oh, about Trump's kid. Yeah. What, yeah, did, what yeah. were your What were your thoughts on that? I th- <clears throat> I thought the 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 context of the joke. I think if you break it down, she was more. She wasn't commenting on, him, and I can't remember his uh, Baron. Baron. I don't think she was commenting necessarily on Baron so much as she was saying Trump is so fucking batshit crazy that Baron eventually will be a. A homeschool shooter. Like mm-hmm. I think I, it, that was a joke, right? Yeah, basically he was going to be the first like, like, yeah, the homeschool massacre or whatever Something it was. Like yeah, that, or yeah. So, yeah, it was basically. So I think I think her, what she was intending to do was to make was to to illustrate how batshit Trump is and how how bad the household uh, vibe is, or, or for yeah. lack of better, I'm, I'm struggling with my my words right now, but. I think she was more commenting on that. However, it wasn't either A, it wasn't a clear enough point of view, or B, it's just a joke that didn't need to happen. Like, you could have you could have probably found a different way to get that across. Mm-hmm. I generally tend to lean towards leave the kids out of it. Yeah. The kid, Baron didn't do shit. He didn't do anything. Mm-hmm. He's 10 years old. He's trying his best. He's got a crazy dad. He's got, you he's know. Got a crazy family. He's got a crazy fucking family, right? All his brothers and si- Fucking Eric? Mm-hmm. Weird. That's yeah. fine. Look, he's growing. <laughs> Attack the hell out of him. Leave the ten year old out of it. He, yeah. you don't need to bring he. And now, not only is his, his family batshit, now he's on the world stage, and he has to fucking deal with that at ten. Yeah. Put yourself at ten years old. I was a weird kid at ten. I was fucking I'm awkward a weird as kid shit. Now. I'm telling you, right? Yeah. So you don't leave the kids out of it. Like yeah. I understand her goal probably wasn't to come after Baron, but it didn't. It was a joke that I think didn't need to happen. I think it was a shitty joke, personally. Right. Okay. I, just, I, I say that because 
it didn't land the way that it, she wanted it to, which right. means it's a shitty joke. Right, yeah. If yeah. you have to sit there and analyze what right. you think she thought she meant by it, it's a bad joke. Agreed, yeah. Like, you can't, you know, when, you know, Bill Burr is dissecting, you know, whether or not, um, you know, uh, what was his uh, his joke about hitting women? <laughs> right, he said that there's, you. I, he goes, I'm not saying you should hit them, but don't tell me there's not a reason. Exactly. Don't, don't tell me they don't deserve, it's the same, he was basically saying, um, you know, when when a man steps out of line, when when, when a, a man steps out of line, he's saying when a man steps out of line, there's a point that all guys understand that if I cross this point, I'm gonna get hit. Yeah, and he's saying that women don't have that point. Mm-hmm. Like they can, you know, they can slap in the face, they can burn all your clothes, they can do anything, and there's no there's no repercussion to come mm-hmm. back at them. So he's saying that the actions are deserved. He's not saying that you should do it. And that a woman is deserved, but he's mm-hmm. saying there are actions that are deserved. He's saying so he, but he's he, saying never do it, but don't tell me there's not a reason to do it. So that was that was his point. And again, I it's yeah. a very very sensitive like yeah, he, it's a well crafted joke that he can walk and actually. And I don't think many other people outside of him could do it. And no. I still think that it's 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 still I think a very he's playing on the cusp of it being not it. He calls it out during a special. To me, personally, he's playing on the cusp of it not working. Yeah. Like, I don't find that to be one of his funnier bits. Like, to me, that was almost... Not that it was... I didn't... Like, I didn't I didn't get offended by it, but I listened to it and I went, ah, I feel like you could have left that out. Like, I, I didn't need that bit in mm-hmm. here for your comedy special. Because mm-hmm. it took me too close to the line for my own comfort. Sure. See, I love that bit because... He straddles that line, but he's got a strong point of view. And he drives home that point of view, which is like... No one can say Bill Burr doesn't have a strong point of view. And that's what's important because what he's saying is like... He's like, yeah, because I love it. Because he's about five minutes into his bit. He goes, all right, let me extend an olive branch. Uh, Can we all say that people who beat their women and their wives should be buried under a prison? Can we say that? Can we all agree on that? Great. Now, what I'm saying is... Right. We can also agree right. that there are times where you could say there was a reason, but you shouldn't do it. Right. <laughs> so he's basically taking a concept and really like analyzing it, putting his spin on it, and driving that point home, which sure. is why people laugh. Sure. Is because they're like, gotcha. But it's also an extremely sensitive topic that you just can't sit there and be like, oh, I'm going to hammer out a joke in 140 characters on Twitter. Right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Well, I think, and I think the ironic thing is that she, she, her downfall was one of the biggest things that the person she was going after is. It's one of his biggest tools. Yeah. Like, like she, yeah. you know, it was Twitter that she was trying to do, and and try, like, it, yeah. I just feel like there's some sort of irony there. But yeah, Louis C.K. does the same thing with his jokes. Though. Yeah. Like he, like I've heard Louis C.K. use the N word on stage. Sure. You know, well, I'm like. I, one time I was privy to it. No, I mean, obviously everyone has. It's on his fucking I specials. Him, I heard him do it once. I don't know if you know this, Doug, but one time yeah. it was in an unrecorded show in my basement. But <laughs> no, but I mean, obviously he's he's done that. But the way that he did it, it like he had such a strong point of view and he you knew exactly where he was coming from that there was no question whether or not he was saying it to say it. He was saying it in order to drive a point home. Bill Burr had a similar joke. Or I shouldn't say similar joke because I don't know what the joke was, but he did the same thing where he his his joke was, um, 
He goes, you ever, you know, been around someone, think they're cool, and then they drop the N-word? And he, he says it as if he's that guy. He goes, all of a sudden, you have to kind of be like, I'm not with this guy. Right. You know, like, all of a sudden, you have to be like, you've just crossed a line, and now it's like, I can't, I don't want to confront you because it's weird, but yeah. I also don't want to yeah. be associated with you. So, like, I don't want to get shot because I'm like, yeah, I'm with this guy. Yeah. So, but he, that's the point is, like, he's not doing it without thought. Right. He's doing it, he's like, this is an ignorant person. This is sure. what they're doing. Sure, this is what yeah. they're saying, and it's it's with a lot of thought. That and he also does it with confidence, right? Right. Because you can't just be like, nee. because if you do that, you're obviously people are going to sense weakness and your frailty in it, and um, you know it's like Jim Jeffries is a guy that also is not afraid of controversy. No, 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 no. He he calls shit out all the time on people, or sometimes he instigates it. But at the same time, like one of what he's known for is just making excellent points. Or he takes a joke, and you know his first couple specials were a lot about religion. Sure, yeah, he's he a like avid atheist. Yeah, was really angry about religion, and he. But the thing that was funny about it to me was just like even if you are pro religion, he was making good points for the yeah. sake of comedy. Yeah. yeah, and at the end of the day, that stuff is you can look at that and be like, oh, they're making jokes. But the problem is when you write something on Twitter. You're leaving out tone. You're leaving out timing. Right. You're leaving out, and not only that, but you're limited by what you can actually do. The only person who owns Twitter jokes is Patton Oswalt. Mm-hmm. He is the only person who, to date that I have seen who he can write something, and you, without without a shadow of a doubt, you unequivocally know what he is saying. You know, you can hear the tone. Well, maybe you can, but there's other people who don't get him. Well, fuck them. But that's what he—that's <laughs> what he trolls on. He right. trolls them because he knows people aren't paying attention. He understands like what Twitter a, is. That's a man who has. That's a comedian who yes. has. He is. He is. He has Hawkeye-like bullseye focus on what he knows. What his voice is. Yes. There is like there's there's not one iota of doubt in what he's saying. And I think that they, that is the mark of a true comedian. He's the only one I've seen who can flawlessly use Twitter. Exactly, because he understands everything about it to use it to his advantage. Yes, absolutely. Which I find absolutely fascinating yeah. and fun. And that's when I look at Katie Rich, and I'm like, yeah. and that's the thing that sucks too is because it's also hyper political right, right. now. Well, I think, and the People thing is, it, she it. was angry. Yeah, she was angry like everyone, everyone else, and she wanted to, she wanted to make. She wanted to make a commentary on it. She wanted to make her voice heard. She wanted to make a joke that she thought was going to was going to drive home some point, and it it missed. Unfortunately, I don't, think, I don't think she should lose her job over it, though. I don't think she should lose her job either. I don't mind her. I don't mind them maybe suspending her or maybe yeah. giving her you know a leave or something like that. I you know maybe issue an apology directly to Baron, mm-hmm. not to Trump. But yeah. to Baron, yeah, and I, I, but I don't uh, losing her job over it. I don't know. It, that might be a little extreme, but well, it's this, it's the thing where it's like, you know, this is their job to a certain extent is to craft humor, and they're not always going to be gems. They're look not. At what, but look at what the Onion did during the Oscars a couple of years ago. That wasn't the Onion though. That was one individual who got who was into the who logged in. It was basically someone who was like aggregating social media. Okay. And the Onion basically was like, "What the fuck did you do? Oh, like wow. this was not. Okay. So it wasn't like an Onion. It wasn't the Onion didn't go. Hey, let's put this out there. Uh huh. Unless that was the political spin they put on it, and sure. they were just saving face. But there was one person who got who got canned for that because yeah. 
as soon as it happened, they essentially went, hey, look, you're fucking out. Like, yeah. that was absurd. Yeah, that wasn't funny at no, all. No, at all, yeah. Yeah. And this was, it's funny because I remember when they issued, like, their apology and, yeah. their, and everything. I thought it was fake. Because and that's, it was that's the, the un- double-edged sword with them. Like, yeah, you don't know what's coming out. I was like, out. this isn't very funny. <laughs> I was like, wait, are they being serious? Right. Like, I can't Easier tell. Easier to do drama. <laughs> well played. Nice nice callback. Thank you. Yeah, that was like, I was like, man, I, don't, I can't tell if right. these guys are being serious or not. Right, yeah. Because The Onion is so good at being, you know, <laughs> satirical about everything. I'm like, I yeah. don't know what's going on. Oh, yeah, that 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 dude got canned, yeah, yeah. real quick. Because I'm all about, you know, freedom of expression, especially when it comes to comedy. There's got to be some room to fail, but you also have to realize what's your audience and what's your stage. Yes. You're doing. If you're an open mic, okay, yeah. yeah. You're not. We're not always going to expect you to be at the top of your game, but if you're in, a, in an improv show, yeah, I mean, it's yeah, the same exactly. thing. You're, yeah. Everything's coming off right off the cuff, exactly. Yeah, and you, you do expect to some degree that you're not going to be creepy and that you're not, you know, hopefully not going to use the n word. You know, you're not going to make the. You want to because you're going to follow the rules of general social decorum. Yes, like <laughs> you won't do that, right? But there's also just something where you know there's an argument to be made to that you need to push and push. And right. push, and not everything's going to be funny because that's the thing too. Is like there's a good balance between taking something and using your point of view, and then beating someone over the head with your point of view. Yes, like it's got to be. There's got to be that funny with a perfect match of your point of view. Yes, um, you know, case in point, most of my conservatory show. There you go, which was sledgehammer, sledgehammer, sledgehammer. Like we got it, and that's where. And there was another sketch that was performed too, where it was like, yeah, I get it, gun control, we got it, right. Like, you can, get, and that's the thing where I think that it's interesting is when proponents of it, mm-hmm. like I support gun control. Yeah, I'm definitely behind, you know, background checks and uh, limitations, and like I'm definitely for gun control. But there are sketches, comedy uh, videos, and live sketches, and I've seen comedy bits on it where I'm actually in disagreement with the sketch itself. Yeah, because it either belabors the point or it's just not it misses the mark and i'm just like look i'm a you've lost a supporter of the cause you're speaking to yeah that's not good yeah you need to work on your comedy because you have lo- you've you've completely missed your your mark on it because it should be you know that's what's clever about a lot of that stuff is like i just saw like a it was something i think on college humor and it was um essentially a take on the um the election, but through the eyes of Bowser in Super Mario World. Okay. Like, Bowser was Trump, and, okay. like, he was talking about all his kids and how his kids are great and they're going to rule, and it was all, all really well Koopas and yeah. It was so really well done, because yeah. it was like Princess Peach was running against him, and she's like, oh, I'm a, I'm a shoe-in for this. Like, <laughs> I'm totally going to beat him, awesome. because he's Bowser. Like, right. who's going to vote for Bowser? He's the villain! Yeah. yeah, and it's like, and he won, and she's like, oh my god, I can't believe I lost. It was so well done. That's I was really like, good, what a great, yeah. great sort of like, oh, look, what a great way to compare these right. things and stuff like that. I'm like, that's really well done and it's hard to do that it's it's not easy to craft and i think you also have to expect that not everyone's gonna think it's funny no and that's okay yeah but and that's one of the things i i I like a lot about i hear comedians talking about when they go and do open mics or when there's been those moments where people are like i'm offended and they're like yeah but 75 percent of the room also just laughed at the joke right like where's the line you know if nobody laughs it's like yeah 
Sh- okay, I might have miss. missed on that. Yeah, missed that. But if over half of it lands, and then you stand up and be like, "I'm offended," it's right. like, "Well, shut the fuck up." Right? Yeah, you were offended at that joke, but what about the one about Catholicism earlier? You laughed your ass off at. Yeah. Like you can't. It's that pick and choose mentality. Yeah, I can't stand that. Yeah, you know what I can stand though? You can stand a through dude. Did you almost miss it again? I had to really think about it. <laughs> I was like, that came out I'm gonna, real. I'm going to try and be vulnerable with real you guys paste. all right now. I was pooping before I came over here, and I told you I was going to be vulnerable. Justin's face was one of horror, and I was sitting there going. You want to know what scares me in movies? <laughs> Doug pooping. <laughs> Doug pooping. And I was sitting there as I was doing my business, and I was like, oh, man, you know what you haven't said in a while? Take down. I was like, don't say that tonight. And sure enough, as that was happening, I was like, it was like, take down, throw down, take down, throw down. And I was like, I still don't understand how you throw down. Take down. Because I was a wrestler. I was a wrestler, Justin, and you take people down for two points. You forgot about my career in wrestling. My career. (laughs) My wrestling career. My long, (laughs) illustrious six year career as a wrestler. So tonight's throwdown, in honor of our topic, which we backed into today. Because, again, we have... We've had one topic that we've tried to talk about three times now, and for some reason we just mind Is it. this the fourth time or is this the third time? I think time? it's the third time. Okay, yeah. We're not going like, to well, talk about it. It'll be there yeah. for us waiting. For it's there. Someday. It's a backup. We yeah. got it in the hole, but yeah. And it was funny because as we sat down to talk about it, I went, unless we find something else, and... Sure enough, we did. Inadvertently, we and found something. it felt something. good to it, do what we did. It did feel good. It felt so good. So in honor of today's uh, uh, backed into topic, um, we're going to do two titans of comedy. Oh, shit. Two titans of very loud, very in-your-face, very high-energy comedy. Sam Kinison? No. Okay. We're going to do Mr. Chris Farley. Okay. Versus Mr. John Belushi. Farley. All right, there you go. Thanks for listening, guys, and we'll see why Farley's so quick. Farley's bigger, for starters. Right, that doesn't necessarily mean anything. Uh, Well, okay. I think we've talked about Bane and Bruce Lee. (laughs) We were not talking about... Wasn't that that? that, that, Yeah, it was. Okay, good. But we're not looking at Bane and Bruce Lee right here. Right, but I'm just saying. (laughs) We're talking about guys that are going to get into the ring and fight to the death. Yeah, you know they have weight classes in wrestling and boxing and MMA for a reason? Both of them are super coked up. Yeah, and and Farley's bigger. He's a bigger dude. Yeah, but dude, like, okay, you got this. He's bigger, not in a muscular sense. Yeah, but he's bigger in a rounder sense. Exactly. So it's going to be harder. So for he him has to more move. surface area to tackle, squish, and destroy. He's harder for him to move. He's a bigger guy. He's not going to be as agile as nimble. Okay. Not that Belushi's going to be super like, nimble. If we had to like list out stats for like agility, strength, and stamina, I think they're both going to be pretty low. I will give Farley this: mm-hmm. is that now? G- keep in mind, these are both icons of mine. So of course, I'm not. I'm not talking ill of either anyone, but I will give Farley this: shockingly nimble. Yeah, like when he does his the worm or the cartwheels or the this and that. But at the same time, so is Belushi a little bit. A little bit, a little bit, a little bit. Also, Belushi carried around a samurai sword when he played the samurai delicatessen, so he has a weapon. Yeah, well, uh, Farley was a Beverly Hills ninja, so... Mm, that's a good point. Yeah. That's a good point. But his he favored nunchucks in that, yeah. which I feel like a sword could outdo nunchucks. You'd think so, but that's not true. I would look if it was in the hands of Bruce Lee. Mm-hmm. I would agree with you. Yeah, but I don't. I disagree with the hands. I disagree of Chris with Farley. both of them having any sort of weapon that they're going <laughs> to utilize it. But we can agree being that coked they're, up. They're, we can agree they're both coked up. I think we can both agree they would hurt themselves if they had weapons. <laughs> I think we can agree that. <laughs> okay. All right. So they're both super coked out of their minds. Yes. Uh, no weapons. Yes. Where are they meeting? 
They're at a party, obviously. Naturally. All right. Uh, a, a post-SNL party. Okay, cool. And uh, Somehow they're both at the same age. Yes. Let's just say there was a, a, a rift in the time... Space s- continuum. continuum. Uh, yeah. And they both landed like, whoa, <laughs> check out this party. Whoa, a mid-80s SNL party where it's just post-John Belushi and just pre-me. It's like, whoa, this is Obviously crazy. Obviously I'm speaking in the voice of Chris Farley. Yeah. Yeah. And they're sitting there and they're just like... You know they they they're trying to win like each one is trying to outdo each other to like get the get the crowd in there yeah yeah from the crowd and eventually and then one of them does the last bump of coke the other one's super pissed off and then they just realize they're trying to amp it up and all of a sudden they start like almost just making fun of each other right. in little I little jokes making out with each other they start making out and then one bites the other one's lip too hard and there's blood and then right. they're like you son of a bitch those are bloodborne pathogens naturally naturally yeah. Uh, no, but they start like almost like battle rapping in a sense where they're like making jokes about the other person okay. to the crowd to get the laugh. And sure, it sure, just sure. starts upping to the point where they get closer and all of a sudden they're like, you know, forehead to forehead, you know, and they're going out of their minds. Well, they're both big in the physical comedy because they both used to do pratfalls and fall into tables and things like that and break things. But I feel like Farley pushed himself a little further. So I feel like he has a bigger opportunity to hurt himself in doing so. I feel like he's going to try to take it one step too far. And in like to outdo Belushi, and in doing so, maybe he impales his leg or his arm. Now he's at a disadvantage, and Belushi can come at him real hard. I don't, I don't, I don't buy that scenario. Okay, I believe that they're coming at each other. Es equals just coked up, um, and f- just full fledged like you know they're taking off their shirts and stuff like that. They're like this is going down. I definitely give. Right, I will concede that Farley has the weight advantage, and he 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 could you know he's got the the smushing. The smushitude, he's got he's got that in his That's corner. That's a word now. That's a word now. But I think Belushi, dude, there's something about '70s Coke power that like you just can't. That's different from '90s Coke power. Absolutely, '90s Coke power was messy, man. '70s Coke power was like laser focused. Well, We're gonna fucking do this. Uh, '90s Coke was cut with more crazy shit. So you don't know that. I'm You're s- speaking out of your element, Douglas. I think '70s Coke was was more pure. <laughs> Right, exactly. So you're getting you're getting a better high, but you're getting a weirder high from the '90s because it's cut with God knows what. Okay, so if it's cut with baking soda, then you have no idea. What if it's cut with other cocaine? I hear that they do that. <laughs> what to make more money? Okay, well if they're both <laughs> landing in the mid '80s, then they're probably doing the same amount. Of, they're doing the same kind of coke. This is the stupidest thing I've ever. I know. Said. What are we doing here? Cut coke with coke because right. we make more money. It's like that doesn't make sense at all. But it's a different kind of coke. All right, let's do it. It's super Coke. It's super Coke. This is Coke Zero. <laughs> That's how it was born. That's how it was born. All right, so sh- I, they both have shirts off. Shirts off. They're both running at each other. They're both sweaty. They're like both really, sweaty, really, really sweaty. Yeah. And I just feel like Farley does like a super hug on, on I like, Belushi. I feel like Farley tries to do a cartwheel to show, again, still trying to show off, and he and Belushi just sidesteps it. Maybe like nut punches him mid cartwheel and Farley goes down. I don't think no, that's not how it goes. It's not. It's not a one shot one kill. This not is saying like, it, I'm not saying it's a one shot one kill. I'm if just you saying get punched like, in the nuts, you're done. I don't care who you are. I don't care how much coke you have. That's out. You're done. Have you ever done coke before? Have you ever been punched in the nuts before? Yeah. On coke. I've done both. <laughs> <laughs> On coke. Never at the same time. Yes. <laughs> you ever sniff some coke off someone's balls? <laughs> You that's, ever looked that's, at that's the moon on weed? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you ever been inside a Turkish prison? <laughs> yeah. You ever been inside a Turkish prison, Danny? <laughs> um, 
So I, I feel like um, because it's pure rage at this point in time, like the antics are gone. Okay. Like Farley's not. It's at this point he's like he's so their head their heads down fo- shoulders forward running at each other yeah like they they basically decide it's on no more jokes they're gonna they're gonna deal with this ah, if that's the case I might have to give it to Farley because I just think Farley's gonna have so much more throwing power <sighs> like he's just gonna have a greater force um, I feel like Belushi feel was like, a little more tactical though I feel like Farley would run out of energy quicker though even on coke. I agree, and I feel like I just something about Belushi's to me says a little bit, a little bit more tactical. Also, Farley was well known as being extremely self conscious, right? So there may be self doubt, right? He's not playing; he's playing on tilt. May, but at this point, if someone's if if because if someone's called him out like that, it's, it's but he's gotten to the point where he's going to fight. I feel like that self doubt is gone at that point in time. He's given in bloodless to the carnal side of him, and he's like, "I'm going to punch and fight this person." And I think if it's just straight physicality, I think I think Farley wins. Oh, man, I don't know. I think if we run if we run this uh, scenario, if we, if we do the uh, was it the five forty three? What is the website? Uh, five forty eight. Five forty. If we do 538? the five thirty eight, who gives a shit? That stats. If we run this scenario, <laughs> yes, through the analyzer, through the data analyzer, you know, a thousand times, I would say it comes out pretty even. But I will probably have to concede that maybe Farley has a. I'd give it sixty forty with Farley. Yeah. I would. I just think there's a lot of variables, but I think just Farley's sheer physicality is going to outdo Belushi most of the time. All right, all right. I'll I'll, I'll concede to that. I still say the cartwheel nut punch is what it ends, but that's one of those ones in the forty when yeah. Belushi wins. <laughs> he he definitely, you know, and because there's a moment where he does have self doubt. He's like, I'll make this funny, and then thump, and then that's where it goes. And there it you goes go. down. So there we have it, guys. Chris 60, 40, 60 40 in favor of Farley. Sixty forty in favor of Farley. You've heard it for for. for we, we ran it through our analytics machine. Yeah. It does just end. <laughs> 60 40 in favor of Harley. Guys, thanks for hanging with us. This was really fun this week. Uh, and uh, I want to take this unique moment to, uh, you know, to promote something. Officer Brock? Officer Brock, always remember. Hashtag Officer Brock knows. Um, but um, I've been listening to this new band uh, that I like, and they have. Quite possibly the worst name ever. They're called Trash Boat. Mm, um, it's terrible. Uh, but they're a UK punk band uh, on Hopeless Records. And I just bought uh, their album. Uh, I don't know the name of it. It's something like Nothing I Write Could Make You Feel Better or something like that. Um, and they have a single called Stranger. Really good. Highly recommend it. Uh, so if you're into punk or pop punk or it's on a little bit of the heavier side, uh, please check out Trash Boat. <laughs> Check out Trash Boat. Uh, the single Strangers uh, is great. It's also that song uh, features the lead singer of... Uh, uh, Nothing uh, I Write, You Can Change What You've Been Through. Yes, that's what it's called. Uh, the song uh, Strangers features the lead singer of The Wonder Years, Dan Campbell. Yeah. And I'm a huge fan of The Wonder Years as well. So check out uh, Trash song. Boat. <laughs> Again, can't stand their name. Their album's pretty good. That song "Strangers" uh, is pretty awesome. So that's what I want to promote. You, have, right. a, you have anything you want to promote? Anything you've been watching or listening to that you want to give a shout out to, Justin? A new podcast I just kind of fell in love with is Science Verse. Cool. I just told you about that before uh, before we started recording here. Um, check it out. Really cool. They take uh, a lot of popular topics and then they put them against the science of those topics and they try to find out where the truth is, where the fiction is, and what's in between. And I think in today's day and age, 
I feel like really important. I feel like it's really important to have someone really kind of go over what is true and what are the facts and what are you know what is the myth. So like the one I'm listening to right now is, is ironically gun control. Um, since we brought it up in this in this podcast, and they go over you know both sides of like what do the supporters say, what do the naysayers say, and then what are the facts in between that are just again scientific facts. Like here's what the studies are and unskewed studies and this and that, and it's just really interesting. So cool. I I like uh, I like the the message and where it's going. So. I think we should call this segment moving forward called Things We Like. Things We Like. We name one thing that we like. I like it. After we do a violent throwdown, we talk about the things that we like. So my second thing I like nope, is... Nope, save the, it for next week. It's the things we like. Oh, you beat me to it. Nice Meta. job. Guys, you can find us on Facebook. Uh, look for the Mind Gap uh, page. You can find us there. We are also on Twitter at Mind Gap Podcast. And guys, we're also on Stitcher. That's a pretty cool thing. I'm excited about that. Show. For all the non-Apple users, uh, you can find us there. So go to Stitcher.com and just search MindGap. Remember, it's not Mind the Gap, it's MindGap. Yeah, Mind the Gap is not there. a thing that we're associated with. Not at all. And guys, Justin has a website. I do have a website. It's still up. Yay! It's called JustinStrandland.com. Way to pay your bills. Me. Yay! Uh, yeah, JustinStrandland.com. You can listen to this podcast as well as the other one I do with Milo Stevanovich. Um, or, uh, oh crap, I just totally forgot... He's got an American name now, so he doesn't get deported. Oh. I can't remember what his name is now, but it's not Milo Stevano. It's probably. Yeah. Yeah. It's Mike something. I can't remember. <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah. He's he's totally legal, so ignore him. <laughs> it's another podcast I do called The Best Bar Podcast Ever. It truly is the best bar podcast ever. On uh, Instagram, Twitter, and Snapchat, at Justin underscore Michael, spelled M-I-K-E-L. Uh, follow me there. Give me some love. And then uh, while you're on the online realm, check us out. iTunes, Stitcher. All those things. Subscribe to us. Review us. The more that you do, the higher up it pushes us and the more cool shit that we get to do yeah. and experience and let you guys in on yada, 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 yada. If you want to be on, let us know because we would love to have random people on talking about random things uh, in a random way. Yes. Also, check out TwoEastEighth.com and TwoEastEighth on all social medias. we got some fun stuff coming up. Yay, guys. Thanks for hanging out with us and we look forward to, say, to, to you guys next week. I'm sticking with it. I'm not I'm not backing down. You're welcome. Bastards. Mind Gap Podcast.